Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You may be in a Maven Otis situation, Chip, if you're lying to yourself about who you want to be with, therefore hurting others in the process. Oh, okay. All right. And it's starting to feel personal. Welcome to Talking Ship Podcast. We discuss the best and sometimes worst of TV couples. Why they work. Listen to Lizzo, Pam. Come on. Why they don't. I just don't think they belong together. And how we relate. I don't think Issa deserves him. That's the moment that you see that David is in love with Patrick. I must talk about Seth and Summer. You may be in a Logan and Veronica situation if I just like felt like yelling at the screen. Yes! Let's talk ship. It's so good. I just could start crying. I There were so many points where I actually was crying. I just get chills thinking about the show. I, just, I know. It's just it's so beautiful. Okay, we have to get into it. Okay, let's do it. Okay. All right. All right. Five, six, seven, eight. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking Shit by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Megan Fitzgerald, and I promise not to do this accent the entire time, though it's hard because today we're talking Sex Education, which is a show that is just as addicting as making a British accent. And to talk about this lovely, hilarious, colorful, sex-positive show is a guest co-host with all the same qualities. Welcome back to the pod. You've heard her before on the Jane the Virgin season. It's Jimena Medina. Hello! Oh my gosh. I could not be more thrilled to be talking about this show. I am ecstatic. And we've been talking about doing this episode for like over a year. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Ever since I started watching the show, ever since you finally watched the show, because guys, mm-hmm. Megan didn't want to watch it at first. I know. Um, ever since you started watching it, I was like, I need to talk about this relationship and we'll unpack. We will unpack. It is crazy because like the dynamic we originally were going to talk about like still definitely exists, but it's also like expanded over the three seasons. We'll get into it all. Yes, we will. Oh my gosh. And every season is different. Every- mm-hmm. I didn't think this season would change my point of view in some things. And it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was a bi- this was a doozy of a season too. This was a big one. Um, so let's just start by chatting, introducing the show for a bit. This is Sex Education. Uh, just finished its third season on Netflix. It's an eight episodes a season, about 45 to 60 minute episode joint. Uh, and the show is about the fictitious Moordale High in the UK. Um, and it centers on Jean Milburn, a sex therapist, and her son, son Otis, who takes upon himself to become an unofficial sex therapist at school. And it's a combination of, you know, these like episode long story arcs, a la like a Grey's Anatomy or a procedural where they solve, you know, this specific sex issue in one episode and, you know, overarching character arcs focusing on these beautifully crafted, excellently performed characters. This show is a joy. So I think let's just do our like two minute general takes on the show before we get into the relationship. So please please kick us off. I think this is one of the best shows on television. I think it is absolutely brilliant it's my it's in my top three favorite shows ever so I absolutely adore it my relationship I think honestly my relationship with sex I think actually changed when I watched this show Mm. like I really think that seeing such like like sex positivity on a show that was 
about high schoolers just actually, it made me just a lot more comfortable with sex as a topic, which mm-hmm. I, was vi- I wasn't very comfortable with it at first. The way that they address so many sex issues in funny or, you know, not actually cringy, cringy ways is just mm-hmm. brilliant. Yeah. I also felt, okay, when I watched it, I felt so giddy. Like the yeah. show makes me like it took over my body. I was like, like excited. The opening sequence of the third season when the music starts playing, yeah. I was like on a high. You're right. Me. I was like giddy. I was so into it. All right, yes, continue. Sorry. So giddy. I felt so giddy. And I was crying. The second season made me bawl my eyes out. Mm. You know, um, we know why. We'll, I, we'll, you know, discuss. Mm-hmm. And I'm just obsessed with the show. And when I thought it couldn't get better, it did. Mm-hmm. Season three, the relationships and the growth of every character surprised me, shocked me. It was enchanting. Yeah. Ooh, enchanting is such a good word for it. They are enchanting. And I. it's so impressive that the show is able to continue to expand, obviously, the journey of, like, our original core characters, but also all... we. I feel like we're adding on characters that we care about every season, and I genuinely like and care about all of them. And that's so hard to do on, like, a large cast TV show, because I feel like... On other shows, there's always, like, a couple characters you don't give a fuck about. Like, I don't give a fuck about George O'Malley on Grey's Anatomy, but I give a fuck about every oh, single I one did, of these but characters. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, well, we can get into that later. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's so impressive. I guess my general thoughts on the show is that not enough people are watching it. And I think this these performances are some of the best on TV, particularly Jillian Anderson. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Oh, my when she God. Shuts the door in season two when she shuts the door behind her and she just cries <sighs> in the hallway outside of um, What's-His-Face's room. Oh, my God. I died. Oh, I died. my God. And I, but the kids, too, the teens are all incredible. I had a lot of, especially this last season, watching things happen. I was like, ooh, acting, like out loud. Oh my gosh, me too. I could actually cry. I am tearing up thinking about Adam's character. Adam on the bridge. I am on the bridge. He really surprised me. Adam on the bridge. I know. Like, oh my God. That was my exact ooh, acting moment. Um, Oh. Oh my god! And just seeing him hold that little dog. Oh, okay. Oh anyway. my, he. Oh, him and Shunti. I mean, oh. Eric. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, it's it's emotional as we're saying, but it's also like it is laugh out loud funny. Like when they went down this kind of like they did this Ocean's Eleven bit in season three. Where like, well, if anybody, I'm Andy Garcia. What are you, who's Andy Garcia? Like I, I, that's also very specific content for me. But it's so it genuinely makes me laugh out loud. And it's one of those shows where, like, it's so empathetic, whereas, like, even the villains, quote-unquote, are made to be empathetic after a couple seasons. Like, seeing Ruby this season and that whole arc. Seeing Mr. Groff making a salad. I... Season three really took me where I didn't think it was going to go. And, oh, my God, the soundtrack just goes off so hard who gave it the right who gave it the right to write this soundtrack so many unexpected placements like old songs you haven't heard in a while really cool covers songs we associate with something else and that being used as a device like the intro from my best friend's wedding the song that's like and hug him and kiss him and love him and he will be yours like that song is the intro of my best friend's wedding and you never hear it anywhere else and seeing it in 
this show just like made me think about that and pull in these ties of other romantic references. It was so good. Um, the montages just, also. The montages. Oh my, you know, I love a montage. They're like artistic. They're like art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially the edit. Like again, to bring back the opener of the season three, I was just like, who edited this? I've never once thought about the Emmy for editing until this sequence. Truly. Uh, yeah. Um, and then I just think like stylistically the show is so strong. Uh, it's the the best house on TV. Oh my God, their house. Oh my is God. That? Yeah. Uh, and especially this season, season three, it's supposed to be fall. And they're truly giving Gilmore Girls a run for their damn money. Oh! The leaves! The fall leaves! The aesthetic. The aesthetic of fall in Moordale is high. It's high. It's, it's giving Stars Hollow a run for its money. Really? I agree. I also think, oh my god. So yes, stylistically, like I agree, and I just wanted to put in there the colors. I I love colors. And sometimes mm-hmm. people think that it's too much. And mm-hmm. sex education manages to include just colorful, bright, like all different types of personalities in one image. And yeah. they created such a world that the time doesn't exist. Like a time period, mm-hmm. a year doesn't matter. They all look old school. And when they are like being videotaped and like you see them on TV, it's it's kind of like an old TV vibes. Yeah. Yeah. And then they have cell phones. So it's yeah. truly just timeless. Yeah, and I think that must be intentional, right? And like, because if you were going to yeah. put it in a specific time period, certain things wouldn't be realistic. But they also, I think a lot of times when something is specifically in a time period, you can write it off as like, oh, well, that's not a problem anymore. Whereas like a lot of the problems that they're bringing up today are absolutely issues still facing teenagers. So it, it has to be super intentional. But I also like, I didn't think about it until somebody brought it up to me. You know, I just yeah. like, accepted it. Yeah. And then there's a scene where like Ruby calls Otis to tell her she loves him and she's on like yeah. a old school <laughs> phone and it looks oh. very retro and like, oh, that image was just like, so I think that's supposed to be this like timeless image, you know, like the girl lying on her bed, like calling the boyfriend to say goodnight. Like that's supposed to be very like old school. Yeah. Uh, Lizzie and- McGuire. Just kidding. They had a, they had a cordless phone anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Timeless Lizzie McGuire. Okay. Uh, So let's get into, there's obviously, we could talk about a lot of ships and I'm sure we'll come back. But today we're talking Maeve and Otis, the central couple on the show, along will they, won't they? And we're really going to move in on this dynamic. There's a lot we could talk about and obviously it changes season to season. But I do think at its core, this is the dynamic of the mean girl and the sensitive guy. That's exactly what it is, Megan. You are exactly right. And that's why I was triggered throughout a lot of the seasons. I know. And like, listen, these are big high school stereotypes that, and obviously the show breaks them down because nobody's as simple as that in well-written TV and in life. But there's still truth within, within this generalization. And I'd argue that we still see this in our real lives, which is why we see pathetic striped shirt wearing men Chasing after women who seem like they don't give a fuck about them all the time. We see it. Do we not, Yvetta? Look, we do. It is my least favorite thing about this lifetime we live in. It is my least favorite thing about living on this planet Earth. Okay? I. It triggers me. I was sobbing by the end of the second season. Mm. Sobbing. Because I was angry. And like, fine, I get it. I think I get it. I watch it and I'm like, yeah, I want you guys to succeed a little bit. Mm -hmm. But also, no. Don't be mean. 
But then you're like, oh, she has problems. She's insecure. Heard it all before. <laughs> all right, we'll get into it. Okay, but let's first yeah. go into <clears throat> relatable content. You may be in a Maeve and Otis situationship if on Instagram you would find this an aesthetically weird pairing if you saw these people together. <laughs> that is such a great point, Megan. You may be in a Maeve and Otis situation if you think you're looking out for someone by not being with them when in reality you're doing the opposite. Mm, oh, you may be in a Maeve and Otis situationship if you find yourself falling for someone who's emotionally out of your comfort zone. They're going to push you and you're not going to like it. You may be in a Maven Otis situationship if you're lying to yourself about who you want to be with, therefore hurting others in the process. Oh, okay. All right. And it's starting to feel personal. <laughs> uh, you may be in a Maven Otis situationship if everyone's fucking up the timing. You could both be great. You could be great together if you were both single at the same time or in the same place, but you just keep fucking up the time and the place. It's because there's no Google Maps in this uh, undefined time period. Right, exactly. No, you may be in a Maven Otis situation if the universe doesn't want you to end up together or if it feels like that. Mm. Like it's kind of out of your control. Yeah. Even though it's fully in your control. You may be in a Maven Otis situation if this person has burned you before and you self and so you feel hesitant to trust them again. And you get defensive. D D defensive. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's get into the big picture stuff and start by defining this dynamic. What? Let's really get into it. What is the true Maeve and Otis relationship and who are real life Otises and who are real life Maves? Because I think, yes, like as I said, at the core, it is this true season one. It's the unexpected pairing, right, of the sensitive guy and the mean girl. And as we try to break that down into not a stereotype, I think this relationship is one that sort of requires one person in the party to do a lot of what I'm going to call melting as they are slowly warmed by I love that. the sensitive one. Yeah, it's a candle metaphor. Uh, I figured out as I was writing these notes, I was like, where am I going? I'm like, it's a candle. He's warming her and she's melting. And I think Maeve, like many teens, but also many adults who have a tough exterior and are taught not to show their emotions, uh, turn to mean girl energy and, but Otis, who, you know, has his own shit, but is generally like emotionally vulnerable and sensitive and lets himself feel feelings, ends up like literally kind of like not literally ends up like softening her and melting her, you know, the, the candle through just being like genuine and present and ultimately earning her trust. And I think we see this all the time where there's one person that kind of like slowly breaks down the other person until a gorgeous Yankee candle. You see? Yeah, I agree. But like, it, that is what, that's exactly what it is. He is patient and he is there for her and she is extra hard to break. She's mm. just like mean, but also stop pitying yourself. Get over yourself. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of that. And like, do you want to talk about, should we talk about who real life Maves are? Yes, let's talk about real life Maves. What do we think real life Maves are? I think, <laughs> yes, you're, you're right. It is like a self-pitying like person 
who's it's a person with quote baggage you know what I mean I think like mm-hmm. life things are like the server that you've worked with for years who never wants to go out after work because she's not here to make friends uh it's really anyone who uses the term not here to make friends self-described loners uh people okay. who have had a lot of people fuck them over I've heard this a lot is people who like have their friends be like oh they're just insecure mm. or you know, oh, they've been through a lot. Maybe it's a little it's a little bit of the person who's like, well, life gave me this, so what's the point of trying? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Otis's. Yes. Oh my gosh. We love Otis's, but then we also hate them because they like Maves. Well, and also sometimes Otis's like are too like will use their sensitivity in the same way that like a Mave might use their intelligence, right? Like leading by being like a sad sensitive boy all the time isn't super attractive either. I think mm-hmm. I all- However, I do think, I think I am an Otis. I am the bigger, I'm usually the bigger feeling, you know, more thoughtful person, puts other people first, that leads with their genuine heart. So I'd say in our real world, you know, a lot of actors, a lot of guys who write poetry, a lot of guys with healthy relationships with their moms, guys who have all sisters. I was going to say guys who have a lot of girlfriends, like friends Mm -hmm. that are girls. Yep. Yep. Guys who has to get coffee first for a first date because they don't want someone to feel like you want to have sex with them. Yeah. Guys that can admit to watching rom-coms. Yeah. And enjoying them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The guy who'd be like, oh, I cry at my best friend's wedding, you know? Oh my God. Yeah. No, it's literally the guys that are like, oh my God, I just cried. I cried so hard watching this. You're like, did you? You did. You did. I believe that you did. <laughs> okay. So obviously you have a lot of opinions about what doesn't work about this ship, but let's mm-hmm. start with what does work for us about this specific ship, but like, and made it and Maeve and Otis dynamics in general, what works? I think that the caring person really brings out how much the mean girl or whatever cares. I think they both care a lot. Right. Because everyone does at the end of the day, everyone does care a lot, but like, maybe it's just, and and sometimes it's just each other that can bring it out, mm-hmm. but they do care. And I think that they're both very smart and they feed off of each other. Mm-hmm. They're both at a very similar level. Yeah, that's true. Intellectually, they are at a very mm-hmm. similar level. And I think yeah. that works well. I, I like them. I like this dynamic a lot because I think it proves one of my big life theories that in friendship and in romance and I don't know, life, which is that people need people. Mm-hmm. And it is unsustainable to be a Maeve, to not, to act like you don't need people, to act yeah. like you don't need close connection, like you don't totally. need trust. And I, as an Otis, <laughs> like to see a relationship play out in which the honesty and the vulnerability and the emotional bravery wins at the end. And the person who denies and denies and denies the Maeve eventually comes around you know like at the end of season one where like Maeve was about to come around and she was like a little bit too late but it's great to see that I as a notice maybe have an impact on somebody um, yeah but I do think like I've come to believe recently in <laughs> my own dating life that like I really do think that you can have too much of a good thing like I don't think you can have two Otises in a relationship, really. Like, I don't think that there would be chemistry if both people were trying to Otis-size each other. You know what I mean? Like, if they're trying to therapize each other. I have an Otis approach. I have a, like, let's talk about it. Why do you think this is, like, 
What if had if you ever considered this? And if I was dating somebody that did the same thing to me, I'd be like, no, no, no. This is my like, I think I ask myself these questions. Like, this is my ma- I do this too. The way you need to challenge me or, you know, help me has to be a different approach. And I think like Maeve, by being this like she does encourage him but she doesn't therapize him but like no. makes him more bold and more confident and able to assert himself a bit more just by being the person that she is so i do think like the balance and the chemistry works really well huh you really got me thinking um i don't think i'm a mave or an otis no i don't think I don't, you are <laughs> i can't that's this is why this relationship bothers me mm-hmm. who do you think you are Ugh. Maybe I'm like more of an Amy. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of an Amy. I love (laughs) Amy though. I'm obsessed with it. No, me too. Me too. I think I'm more of an Amy in terms of like, even with the friendship that Amy and Maeve have, Mm -hmm. where Amy's like, wait, I want to be more outspoken like you. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Like I've I've said that to like my friends before. Yeah. Yeah. And then like tries hard by baking cupcakes. Like I would never bake cupcakes, but I would try hard in some similar fashion. Yeah. I think they kind of get each other in a way that isn't the way that people think they typically should get each other. It, I think it separates them from their life, you know? Mm. It's like it separates them from the boxes that they have put themselves in. Yeah. Which I think is good for them. And I think good for anyone, right? Where it's like you meet somebody that changes your perspective about what you think a relationship should look like and what you think you are capable of and how love should be expressed. Like, I, I think. That's what chemistry is, is some people being different enough to, uh uh-uh, whatever, sparks, sparks on chemistry, science, people being different (laughs) enough to, like, create something that's new. And I think that that is what they do for each other. They they break out of these boxes with flames, chemistry. Um, But let's talk about what does not work between them. What does not work for us about this ship? They don't know how to communicate. Mm -hmm. Therefore, timing. I think that it's a combination of both they don't like it's like they don't trust each other Mm. like they don't trust that they're on the similar page even when they are so then they do the wrong thing and then they're out of timing right they're out of sync yeah it reminds me of (laughs) reminds me a lot of normal people and which maybe is partially the accents but i think normal people normal people so good (laughs) have you talked about it already on this show yeah 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 i just love that show yeah but so similar in that a lot of the times they actually do feel the same way, but just can't communicate it. And so then mm-hmm. one gets hurt and then one gets defensive and they pull away and then one is vulnerable and the other's not ready to be vulnerable. And it's just like, Jesus Christ, like, let's just get the timing right for once. And even even when it does happen, I think the timing was still luck. You know what I mean? I don't think either of them learned to like break the cycle that they're in. I, I truly, no. it was just luck. It was just that, that damn boss abandoned them. I a hundred percent think it's just luck. And he says it. I don't know if you remember. I wrote it down on my notes back in season. I don't know if it was season one or season two. He says, see, someone's talking about love and he says, it's just dumb luck. And sometimes you get lucky. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I say sometimes the fact that like relationships happen and work is like fucking magic because what are the odds that you're in the right place at the right time and you get lucky and that enough that you meet and have a connection and then have chemistry on top of that like it's ridiculous that it sometimes happens but and so it makes a lot of sense that it takes so long for these two people with all this shit to get the timing right do you think the mean girl thing works 
here in the show, obviously, but then in our real lives, do you think the mean girl thing works? Yes. And it's stupid because it does work. I 100% think it works. I've seen it happen so many times. People love it. They eat it up. It's kind of like a different take on the like, you know how there's the fixer uppers and then the like, the people that want to fix people and then the people that need a little bit more fixing or whatever. Right. I am a fixer upper. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the one that people like to fix. I think it's the same thing, but with spiciness. I've, I've seen it work so many times before. And I think that like sweet guys like probably want some of that. Yeah. And they want to be able to fix it. I'm like, yeah, I'm someone who wants to fix people and it looks a little different on me. I don't think I go for mean guys, but I go for definitely like emotionally broken down guys, <laughs> broken down on the side of the road. And I'm going to go. <laughs> um, I, okay. So here's what I do like about the show. I think it of course works like negging works. Like I was flirting with this guy at a bar the other day and I told him, He's like, yeah, I did acapella in college. So I was like, oh, yeah, no, no. You have that written all over you. And he was like, <laughs> was that an insult? And I was like, I, what do you think it was? And was like, and brought it up later in the night. Like, was like, I, I think that's the funniest thing everyone's ever said to me. And I was like, correct. But like nagging, nagging, like little mean comments like that, like flirtatious comments. Like one of my very close friends like comes off, I think, as a mean girl in her dating at the beginning. She's just like always nagging, emotionally distant and she, one of my really good friends does the same yeah and you, you and she wa- gets very cute guys and she gets very cute, mm. like hot mm-hmm. guys and, like mm. hot mm-hmm. hot witty witty and caring witty and caring because yeah. they want to be able to do the thing as you said the fixer upper but what i think this show shows is that eventually that loses its appeal because there has to be actual uh, People will get tired of it. And we see this happen with Maeve and Otis. Eventually, he's like sick of her shit and he moves on to mm-hmm. somebody who is emotionally ready to be with him um, and available. And that doesn't work out for other reasons. But like, I think through this, we see the expiration date on the Mean Girl Act. And I've seen it happen with my friend too, where like she could do this little act until he required more. And then it required her to be vulnerable. And she had to, and it's, I think that's the breaking point of like the Mean Girl Act. It's like, if it's going to work, you have to get to the breaking point and be like, okay, I'm willing to drop this act in order to be with you. No, just one more thing. The reason that I know it works, I was flirting with this guy the other day and I was being mean. I was just mean flirting because I was drunk and I was like, Meh, what? Ew, no. Like being, but like annoying high school mean flirting. Mm-hmm. Ugh. He kept texting, kept texting. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm sorry. No. Bye. But he definitely seemed like the type of guy to like want that. Yeah. Well, and that's not your MO, you know, like that's not how you operate generally. No, not quite, not all. Yeah. I don't with anyone I actually care about and anyone I actually like care about, then I'm so like, tell me about your father and yeah, let's dive into what was the first time you fell in love and how did that hurt you? And like, like I, I get very fixed. Oh, I want to go on a date with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a damn delight. But if I like am early, like I, yeah, at a bar, I will do the mean flirty thing because like it's just a tactic that it unfortunately like it kind of works. Uh, it works yeah. until it doesn't. I do more of the Zoe Deschanel in Je- in, in new girl approach, just kind of a little off, weirdly quirky. <laughs> she's just a little weird like does she actually like that or does she just want to be unique yeah yeah you're just like throwing on weird accents and like doing your yeah. gigs yeah okay 
Another question for you is, do you think the way that Otis treats her in season two, particularly that drunk, oh my God, what a, I, the cringiest moment of the show is when he gives that speech at his party and he says, oh my God, the person I know in front of everybody. Do you think that's forgivable? Like, do you think you could move past that and that she'll, they could practically work past that if they were a real couple? Yes, I do. I do too. I do. I I do. It's because, oh, because then I'd be thinking about it and I'd be like, why is he so drunkenly upset and telling the whole world like all these disrespectful things? It's because he cares. Like it's because I yeah. hurt him. She hurt him. Yeah. She hurt him for a long time. She was she was just not opening up even a little bit. And here's my thing, I guess. Oh, this is maybe something to talk about in therapy. But I think I'd rather see I'd I would be more able to forgive somebody if they were passionate and a little mean than if they were indifferent. Because at least 100%. in this, you knew that he cared. I like honestly believe that eventually most things are forgivable. And honestly, like when we love somebody, we want to forgive them. Like I'm in a stage right now where I'm so angry at somebody. But if he said the right thing and explained what was going on with the circumstances and why he said what he said and why he did what he did, and which would have required him to go back and reflect and work on himself. And he came to me and like said all the right things. I could do it. I could forgive him for doing that if he like explained himself and I think like especially when the explanation is like I did this because I was hurt and I did this because I love you Mm -hmm. if you've proved to me that you have talked about this in therapy I can forgive you I love that (laughs) I (laughs) I agree I think that I you 100% can forgive it but when I was watching that scene I was putting myself in Ola's shoes Oh, yeah. Well, so I was crying. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I was like, why? Because let's just get into it. It starts out like we'll talk about how this we relate this show to our lives. Talk about being an old. OK, we'll relate this show. OK, so I feel like I'm more of an Ola. Yeah. Where I'm just like, I don't want to say I'm someone's second choice. But in this case, I'm that nice person that comes after you've been like a little upset and like, I'm a good time. We'll have some fun. But you're still in love with the mean girl. Mm hmm. And that moment when I was straight up sobbing Mm -hmm. because I was like, how could he be so rude? And that's what I think. I think she brings out that in him. But it's because she likes him and he likes her and it's because they're passionate and they have a connection, I guess. You made a very good point earlier. So um, has this actually happened to you? Like, have you been an Ola? Or do you just feel like an Ola? You feel like you give Ola energy. I think I have been an Ola. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've definitely been an Ola. It took me a second, but then I put it. <laughs> I was there. quite literally, but unlike Ola, Ola was um, kind of. It went over her head a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was aware. You were aware. Yeah, yeah. I believe that she's somewhere in her new, and that's why, mm-hmm. like, getting that confirmation that you were someone's second choice is so hard. Oh my God. And that's what's happening in that scene. Exactly. And I'm like, woo, triggering. (laughs) Yeah. 
But like then Ola, you know, finds the per like Ola gets her love story. You know what I mean? And like her love story yeah. is something else entirely. And that's a super special connection. And like they Ola and Lily have their own journey. And Ola gets this like big romantic moment of running to the door and kissing her and then having the door that slam is in her face and then having to figure it out. Like I it it's just that it was the wrong person. But yes, it sucks to be the person that's like emotionally available and kind and willing to work on something. And ha- and be shut down because you're not the cool, interesting blonde. Did you like her more when they dyed her hair? Megan, I was thinking about this. <laughs> I I was watching some clips from the beginning. Mm. I had so much more empathy for her when she was a brunette. <laughs> As a blonde girl, I like I'm not blonde, everybody, clearly. Mm-hmm. But when she was blonde, I disliked her so much more. Because I'm like, you're mean and you're blonde. Really? That's why they did it. I really, it feels like a very, I feel like they were like, we have to make her more empathetic. You know how we're going to do that? Honestly, I would love to have a dye on. I really think so. Because then by season three, she's like dyeing her hair all sorts of colors and it's a thing. You know, they were like, oh, let's work it into the plot. Well, in season three, she's actually softened and you, and you Mm. see that she's trying to change a little bit. She, I didn't think I was going to like her at the end of season three. And I, I, I do. I like her a lot. I do. Yeah. I do. Me too. I like her a lot. I think she's learned from her mistakes. I think she's trying hard not to be the mean girl that she was in season one. Yeah. Because she really and... doesn't work. Like it, it's not sustainable to be the loner. It's not sustainable to be the like emotionally detached person. And I think that's like my relationship to it is like is being the Otis is like being the person that's like, I am going to say the thing. I'm going to write the little monologue. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to practice this romantic speech that I'm going to give you ahead of time. Like when he calls her on the phone, I'm like, you knew exactly what you're going to say. You've had this, you've been practicing this in the shower for weeks. I know you Otis because I am an Otis. And so sometimes being that person doesn't pay off. In fact, often being the emotionally braver person does not pay off. And so him getting as much ass as he gets, though, on this show, I was like, that's unrealistic. Actually, people no, or maybe it's because he's a man and he's like a sensitive man. And when you're a sensitive woman, you don't get as much ass. See, I thought that was completely re- like I was like, yeah, of course, because he's a dude because he's yeah. Dude. And he's sweet. Yeah. Also, just really quickly, like a little tangent. Him and Ruby's relationship was also mm. very interesting. Yeah, Let's do some stray thoughts about the show. Yeah, because. I just know that there are a lot of girls that I've been friends with and otherwise that are rubies in terms of like, they are cooler. Yeah. Quote unquote. And then they start like seeing a guy who's a little lamer, Mm -hmm. let's say, quote unquote. And then all of a sudden they find themselves actually liking the guy after he's been like, let's actually try it out. Mm -hmm. And then he's the one to be like, oh, I don't feel as strongly. Or he's the one to be like, Let's break up. Yeah, but I think like as an Otis, I'm like, I think people who have never experienced love and support as like unconditional and present as Otis is, get it. Mm -hmm. And then uh, assume that that's love. Like he said something of like, I don't know if she really loved me. Like, I don't know if that she really loved was. And I kind of believe that. I think she just got the first taste of. Uh, of what it would be like to be with an emotionally supportive partner, someone who treats her right. And she was like, oh, I'm in love. But yeah, I, I, I did love her arc. Oh, she was so good. Oh, no, no, no. But like, 
the atom i'm sorry can we even yes let's can talk, let's I talk say so? okay great 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 i i've just have so many thoughts they're all just bouncing around in my head the adam eric relationship is beautiful i love it let's talk about adam individually adam started out as the stereotypical jock gay guy mm-hmm. that uses aggression to deflect mm-hmm. but he grew into this awkward sort of trying to break out of his shell like he seems to me like a little snail, like a little slug stuck in a sh- in the snail in the shell of a snail. So he's like trying to get like he's just like oh god, like he catches himself sometimes. Like the fact that he's trying so hard when mm-hmm. he wants to talk to someone, he's like I don't want you to look at me because that's easier for me to talk. And when he's trying to write poetry, and then he's trying to find something he's good at, and he likes dogs, and he's doing the dog show. I think I just thought he was the most wholesome beautiful arc just so lovely yeah. i just wanted to give that man a hug and say you are doing good you're doing all right honey like i and i love eric too like eric i think is oh yes ultimately like my favorite character and so like and I, so i understood i totally understand his arc too and i understand him being ready to like be out in a queer community and and express himself and have queer mm-hmm. friends and be open about his self-expression and his love and all of that stuff and like I understand that like Adam was holding him back for that and I understand how I mean not personally obviously I'll never understand that experience as fully as somebody who is queer but like I got it even though it broke my heart that he it meant the end of the Adam relationship like I empathize for each of them pretty equally me too which is me too hard to do like him and his dad too seeing both and here's the thing is what it is it's like People who eventually make the decision that they are going to work on themselves, that they're not just like, oh, the world is against me and life is hard and uh, I'm just going to be this way. They're like, nope, I'm in control of my life and I'm going to make decisions and take actions that maybe will make me a happier person. And his dad makes a salad and he does a dog show. Mm. Yes, honestly, we all just have to make salads and... Train dogs. <laughs> Train dogs will make your damn salad. Imagine me crying over this man describing his salad. Like, that's what this show did to oh, me. Yes. Yes. Oh. But here's one thing I will say. Mm-hmm. All these, like, meaner characters in the beginning who are now growing. Mm-hmm. Like, Maeve, she grows. Adam, he grows. Adam's dad grows. And then I feel like Ola, and then there's these sweeter characters that are actually getting a little bit more hurt in this time. Yeah. That we're going to have to solve later. That's true. And that is what hurts me. Mm-hmm. Is that they're <laughs> like not thought, yeah, they get less attention because on they them tr- because they're, they just yeah. are sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And you see that it's really hurting Ola. And I feel like in the season four, I mean, who knows what they're going to do in season four. Mm-hmm. Ola seemed hurt, seemed a little bit more beat up by the end of the third season yeah. than she was in the first season yeah and that's the thing with you know optimistic people is mm-hmm. that this show just shows that like they get beaten up a little bit more and people who are initially a little bit more rough around the edges get softened yeah it's much better to be softened than to be beaten up mm-hmm. yep i feel you there and that's-, that's and that's kind of like again to come back to like my con about the relationship is like Sometimes I think the Maeve gets a bit more out of this dynamic than the Otis. I do think the Otis is like 
not I guess if we're going to go for like a softened, toughened, like the Otis is not toughened, but like made to feel more invigorated by this person, mm-hmm. maybe. But I just think what the Otis gives the Maeve is a bigger gift than what the Maeve gives the Otis. But I am an Otis, so I well, and what they both Otis. give, <laughs> and what they both give Ola, right? Poor girl, and what they both give poor Ola. fucking girl, poor fucking you know, Ola. justice. I, Ola. I think she will get a big arc next season, though. I think so too. I can see that. I just about exactly what you described is like being the person that's just like sweet and present and kind of overlooked. And they, yeah, and they try to like help out. And then she doesn't want to burden Lily with talking about her mom. And she doesn't have really anyone to talk to at that moment because everyone's concerned about everybody else. And Lily's concerned about aliens. Yeah. And she's, yeah, and she's trying to still be concerned about others. And she instead just looks a little more tired than she did in season one. Yeah. Yes, I believe it. Yeah, because the show does that. The show takes care of every character. Mm-hmm. If it takes a while, they really do. Yeah. Oh. Um. Shall we go into uh, uh, all aboard? Which is the moment that we got on board with this ship, or just a moment that we love for this ship, or jumping ship SOS moments that we do not like. I can go first. My moment. For this couple, and maybe this is a little basic, but that goddamn gas station scene. I thought this was oh, so was beautiful. Thinking. Just aesthetically, aesthetically as pleasing as that insecure episode where, where, where mm. Lord's one of the art fail. Like the lighting of it, the staging of it. And then it's just like one of those weird those moments of like that do exist in our real lives where you're like, how the fuck did we end up here thrown together? And like and now we're forced to talk about the thing. And what I love most about this moment is, you know, they're being emotionally honest. She tells him, he, she asks him the things she's been meaning to ask about the voicemail and what it says. And what I love about Otis is that he's like, this is now months have gone by. Like, an entire I know, I know. He's like, I don't know. I said something like. I'm watching you on the TV right now and I'm so, and it says the thing word for word, which may seem unrealistic, but I will tell you. No, no, no. As someone who practices the monologues, monologues, if you will, that they're going to give, I could be on my deathbed and tell you the exact way I confessed my love to somebody. Like I, I, that monologue was, was ingrained in him. It was a back pocket monologue. He was ready to bust it out at any moment. And listen, that's why you have to have a back pocket monologue ready to go at all times because someone eventually might ask you what you've said and they will now at this point be in a place where they are ready to hear it. And she was ready to hear yes. it. That is a hot kiss between teenagers too. Oh my gosh. That was, see, that moment was also a moment that I was like, oh, fine. Fine. I do love them together. Fine. I was looking back. Didn't like it when it happened, mm-hmm. but I did like it now. I was looking back at when she tells him she likes him. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, I I think that it was rude that she said it while he was dating Ola. Mm-hmm. But she says, I just, I, I liked you. And, he was, and then he's crying. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what do you mean? Well, I like you too. And at that moment... Actually, at that moment, I hated it. I'm just going back. <laughs> just kidding. The moment that I really actually realized that I liked, li- liked them together was the end. Mm-hmm. When she goes to US and he's like not like upset with her mm-hmm. as like some people might be. And he's just like, well, is this goodbye? And she's like, no, it's see you later. Mm-hmm. 
And I was like, okay. That is very, again, I like that. Very normal people, people studying in America. At the I, end know, of the show and I know, I know. the relationship. Yeah. God. He gives it all up for NYU. But ultimately, to wrap it up the way we always do, knowing all the things we know from the early dynamics of the mean girl sensitive boy all the way to now she's going to go study abroad. Mm-hmm. Do you ship it? No. You don't? <laughs> I don't ship it because I think I could. So I've been okay, okay, okay. I've been going back and forth in my head right now. Mm-hmm. The hopeless romantic in me is like, yes, I ship it. Mm-hmm. But the realist in me is that I think that he's going to meet someone else mm-hmm. who then he's going to tell the story of Maeve to. Oh, the story in, of way Maeve. in the future. Yeah. Of like, she changed me and it was, and it was good, but it was also not great. For like it, it, it traumatized me in some ways, mm. but it also like made me realize what I want, and I think it's just a stage in his life. But I ship it because I think it's a stage in his life that he needs to live out. Like I think they need to live out what it would be like to be together. You know, like I don't ship this forever. Do I think I, I rarely do with high school couple? Do I think that they are like each other's person? No, but I ship them figuring out what this is because they have so much chemistry and. Like they are a great dynamic duo, and I think sometimes you you they need are. to see it. You need to see it play out. You need to be like, oh. imagine like we're so good in this situation. Imagine if we as if we elevated that into a full fledged relationship, and like what we could do and how we would feel and the experiences that we could have. Like I, I think sometimes you gotta like you gotta see it through, and I ship it. Yeah, you know, I think they gotta see it. Through. Oh, Megan, it's fine. I'm guys, audience, on my side. No, no, I think I'm just. I just I am a defensive. Well, you, you are you uh, have a lot of you've you've been hurt by Maves, and so I get it. I've been hurt by Maves, so that's why I don't ship it. But oh, I do. I she changed <laughs> me by the end of the third season. No. Look, guys, I'm very in, I'm very I'm very indecisive. But um, I liked Mave at the end, and yeah, I think I ship it. I do. I do. I do. I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't mean you had to get oh, the real life Maeve situation. I yeah, but no, I, it was it was nice to watch her grow. Yeah. It was really nice to watch what her happened? grow and be less mean. If you watch the first season, she's so much meaner yeah. than the first. Yeah, it's really it is a really like well progressed arc, and I think it's nobody is that stereotype. You know what I mean? Nobody is just the mean girl. She's clearly not. No one's just the sensitive boy because Otis does some insensitive fucked up shit too. You know, mm-hmm. so and that's what the show does so well is like break down these like simplistic stereotypes into well-rounded yeah. things. And that's why we have the show to be able to like expand you upon know? and get into the needy details about like what different dynamics are and why people operate the way they operate. And it's just nice to do it through this framework of this show. Yeah. And you know what? The reason that I will say I ship it, even though I didn't want to clearly guys, but I will. He is so much more awkward and weird and cringy in season mm-hmm. one. And he's more confident with himself in season three. And she is so much meaner in season one and so much softer and like empathetic in season three, willing to listen. They've really balanced each other out. Ah, foiled again. (laughs) (laughs) Foiled again by the blonde girl. Just kidding. kidding. She's a brunette now. All right. I think we did it, Jimena. I think that's all the time we I have. I think so, too. I, I think everyone should watch this yeah, show. absolutely. I think some people will look at it and be like, well, wow, so many colors. And hey, you did it first. 
where mm-hmm. people are like, no, well, it's such a silly show. No, it's genius. It's genius. It's perfect. I did not think it was for me because like the teenager part of it, I was like, I don't know, something about the title, which is very weird looking back on it. I, like, I just didn't think it was for me, but it is. It's for everyone. <laughs> it is for everyone. It is. It's every single person. Jimena, where can people find you on social media if they want to hear your thoughts and see your face? Oh, people can find me at Hime Medi, which is X-I-M-E-M-E-D-I. Amazing. And I'm at only Megan Fitz on Instagram. And the podcast is, of course, at Talking Ship Podcast. And we'll be back next week with a new couple, Talking Ship. See you then. Woo! See you! <laughs>